everybody. Welcome to Die Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading through the entire Bible together, out loud, chapter by chapter. So cool to be looking at the book of Exodus. We, we just, we were through the plague narrative, and we, we got through the Red Sea and the Feast of Unleavened Bread and all those things. And it, it's a transition here. You know, these chapters that we're looking at now, uh, it, it feels like numbers. You know, it's the wilderness wandering already begun. And yeah, as we're going to see here in this chapter, looking at Exodus 16 today, there's a lot of ways where this really does fit Exodus because all that stuff that happened back in Egypt is just echoing. And there's there's these really cool connections between everything that happened in the Exodus story that seems to happen again, or even in some ways you might say kind of happen the opposite way like we're going to see here. So really cool stuff. It, it's not just they wandered in the wilderness. There's all this significance packed in. And joining us today to help us unpack that significance, we've got uh, Pastor Ron Campbell from St. John's Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Good morning, brother. Thank you for joining us. So good to have you on. Uh, how are you and the, the brothers and sisters doing there in Alexandria? Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. Uh, certainly, yeah, we've uh, had a lot going on here in Alexandria, as you guys can imagine, right outside of Washington, D.C. Yeah. Uh, so we have a lot of folks that are involved in uh, aspects of government, uh, uh, things like that. So uh, with everybody else, we're uh, managing the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, just now looking at getting reopened. So that's uh, that's been the majority of our uh, our efforts over these past uh, couple weeks here. Yeah, I yeah, know. It's it's been it's been different <laughs> and uh and i think that well i mean this actually kind of maybe fits in, in its own way too that you know this uh this experience maybe has felt like a wilderness wandering um in, in certain respects you know this is uh you can all you can almost start to hear in this chapter right the the, the are we there yet are we there you know i mean it's kind of it's kind of like that uh <laughs> here in the world today right but uh, people, people looking uh, for the light at the end of the tunnel yeah, exactly. So there's there's some ways that we can relate to that, and um, and and maybe a few others where I think this chapter really speaks to us, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's there's a lot that's uh, going on here in terms of people's relationship with God beyond just the uh, the narrative that uh, we're going from point A to point B. That's right. Uh, we're going to have like all of these different themes, you know, talking about uh, talking about trust, talking about obedience, remembrance. Um, yeah, there, there's there's a lot going on that really speaks to the journey of faith, no matter what the circumstances are. So, uh, very good. Well, brother, as we get started in terms of the text, would you please open this up with a prayer as we get started? Indeed. Let's pray. God of grace, we thank you for your continuing provision in our lives. We thank you for all the good gifts that you give, even when we might be ignorant of them. We pray that you would open our hearts and minds that we might see and experience your blessings, not just to have them for ourselves, to hoard them, but to share them with all those around us, to point them to the love that you have for us in Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, certainly a uh, very, very appropriate prayer, just as we've been seeing throughout Exodus, that idea of, you know, this was that God, you know, did this bunch of miracles for his select few, but all of it was to be done in the sight of all that all would come to know, right? Like that's, that's the idea, right? It's, uh, this is the Abraham promise, um, actually already here in the Old Testament coming true that it's, it's all, it seems like it's, you know, off in the corner of the wilderness, right? But but the bigger picture here is that this is not to be, as you were saying, hoarded, but shared with all, right? Most definitely. Even back before they left Egypt, right? Everything that God was doing is a testament, not just uh, for for His people, but for the world. Yeah, and we're and we're gonna we're gonna see that here. As and in some ways, I think you kind of have that that they've left Egypt and being in the wilderness. Uh, you know, it's there throughout in the world with just all, I mean, all kinds of different people, right? And of course we remember that mm -hmm. one with this mixed multitude as the text says. So uh, it's definitely a very expansive picture more than maybe we often think of it, but uh, yeah, so we've got the children of Abraham and everybody else. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So um, we're going to go ahead and read the whole chapter straight through. And it is a little bit of a longer chapter ish. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not the longest one we've had in Exodus. Uh, but we're, 
gonna to go ahead and just take it straight through, try to get a sense of you know, how it all fits together for starters. But before we do anything that we, I mean, we already kind of mentioned a couple of the things that are going on, but anything that we should be keeping our ears open for or um, anything in particular, maybe that we should be uh, holding in our memories from, from previous chapters in Exodus, just to help us listen to the chapter. Yeah, I think so. You, a couple of things. One is, you know, keeping this in the context of history, right? Because this is a historical uh, occurrence. You know, we look at where the people have come from, what their experience would have been back in Egypt, um, which maybe is a little little more nuanced than uh, that's a lot of times simplified about being slaves in Egypt. But you know, that yeah. they were pretty pretty comfortable uh, for a good while before things got really bad. Uh, yeah. before the deliverance. So, you know, there's, there's some generational memory that's in play here. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a bit of, uh, you know, if you can imagine like our circumstance today where people like wondering, well, where are things going? Where are they headed? Uh, there's some uncertainty, right? That the people don't know. Okay. Well, Hey, God's right. taken us to this great place and everything's, uh, you know, coming up, uh, coming up Israel. It's like, no, you got to <laughs> think about that. And, from that, sure. you, um, you kind of, kind of not not be too dismissive on on how the people are acting. Oh, oh absolutely, and I think we keep seeing that. I mean, throughout scriptures, but uh, yeah, I mean, especially in these narratives, though, that we just we just see these characters, uh, whether it's the disciples in the Gospels, right, or whether it's you know these characters or the you know the people. Um, in these Old Testament narratives, and it's so easy just to be, oh, well, you know, why would they say that? You know, God did all these miracles, and if I saw all those miracles, I, I wouldn't be saying them. But yeah, you're right. We, we're, we're so hard on them. But while, while we do that, we miss that you know, all these reactions are just so human. It's what pretty much anybody in their shoes would do. And, and you're right. I like what you're bringing out that, you know, we're, we're kind of maybe oversimplifying the the circumstances here. These were like real life people who, you know, had parents and children and grandparents and memories. And when you, when you put all that stuff in there, you know, uh, the human heart goes in a lot of different directions. Most definitely. And if, if you look back, even just the last chapter at Exodus 15, that the people were complaining, well, they'd been traveling for uh, three days out in the wilderness and they hadn't found any fresh water uh, to drink. So after three days, imagine how thirsty you might be if you're traveling like yeah. 10 miles a day. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, so, I'm, I'm just feeling thirsty right now. And I <laughs> <laughs> had water just, uh, yeah, 10 minutes ago. So uh, anyways, before my mouth gets too dry, let's just go ahead and read through the chapter here. This is uh, chapter 16. And as you're saying, you know, the, the, the wilderness wandering and they're, we're getting tired here. This is Exodus 16 in the English standard version. They set out from, Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out to this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, that the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. Because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, 
quail came up and covered the camp. In the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, the finest frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather up it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two owners each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now, the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed white and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey and moses said this is what the lord has commanded let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which i fed you in the wilderness when i brought you out of the land of egypt and moses said to aaron take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the lord to be kept throughout your generations as the lord commanded moses so aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept the people of israel ate the manna 40 years Till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is the tenth part of an ephah. All right. So, wow, there's just so many connections going on here. Um, I, I think that the the interesting thing, I, I mean, for me, maybe the thing that pops out most is how this is such, it's so interesting how this plays off of what we saw in the plague narrative, especially um, that like you can just see different aspects of it throughout. And uh, I mean, I, I think there's actually connections to maybe in some ways multiple plagues, but it's as if the, the plagues are, are, are going backwards, like so, sort of similar to how we saw with that final um, you know, sign or wonder of God done in Egypt with the Red Sea, how on, on the one hand, it went one way for salvation, the people of Israel, and went the other way or condemnation for the Egyptians. So this is like everything's going the the other way here. And so instead of locusts coming, right, and covering the land um, and eating up and leaving no food, here you've got quail, also a, a winged creature, right, that, that come and they cover and they provide food. Um, similarly, it's really interesting just the kind of the way it talks about the, the Sabbath and um, gathering and, and laying things aside. They're, they're, I, I think similarly, you have kind of different plays on that in the, in the plague narrative where, uh, you know, it was actually, it's really interesting, those first couple of plagues, right? Uh, we, we didn't talk about this connection that specifically, but you have with the Nile being struck and the fish dying and stinking, um, and then the frogs uh, going up onto the shore and then dying and stinking, right? The idea of stinking and, and uh, particularly stench, right? It, it's in, in Hebrew, it's kind of the idea of, of hating and not enjoying, right? It, it's kind of the opposite of the Sabbath, which is striking because those are the, some of the first plagues that happen right after uh, their labor gets hard. So 
I, I think that this is really just, it's, it's kind of really taking the imagery and everything that happened, as you were saying, you know, historically, um, and it's, and it's just presenting it in a new way. And we're, I think we're going to like be making some of these connections here. What do you think? We were getting into some spoiler territory there with uh, some of those things like Sabbath and the attitude of the people, right? Uh, so <laughs> it's 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 very much uh, looking ahead as much as it's looking back. Sure. So you know if if you so kind of grounding it in the context of um, you know, where it's happening, right? So uh, you're starting back if we could back at the the start of the chapter, right? So the people yeah. are now setting out from a place that's basically an oasis uh, where God has given them rest with all the, the water and the palm trees with the dates and all these, you know, great, great things. They're heading back out into the wilderness and um, going along and getting back to when, when uh, I guess another way of saying it is, is people are going along as their bellies are empty, they're getting hangry, right? Uh, yeah. So that's, that's very much uh, the attitude of the people. And so they're, they're starting this complaining, which is this kind of pattern, kind of like you even see, you know, in, in judges where everybody's happy and then they go their own way and then it all falls apart. Then they cry out to God. Um, the same kind of thing yeah. going on here is that they're, they're now um, in, in the, the pangs of hunger complaining against uh, Moses and Aaron and say, you know, if, if only Yahweh had, had killed us back in Egypt, back when we had all these meat pots and all this stuff. And yeah. well, maybe, they, maybe they didn't have all that stuff. Maybe they're kind of playing it up a little bit. Cause that wouldn't yeah. have been the, especially in, in the later years that they wouldn't have had that much prosperity. But, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about the, how the days gone by and the good old times, right. I think that's yeah. that kind of nostalgia is something that can be um, a poison for us too. There's good stuff to remember, but when you're leaning on the past, as opposed to looking ahead and in, into the future uh, and have that shape your present, you get in trouble. So the people yeah. You're complaining against uh, Moses and Aaron, uh, not not exactly complaining against Yahweh in terms of their perspective, but complaining against the the leadership, the human leadership that's right. guiding them along on the journey there. So, um, yeah. but God responds, right? So God is not away from His people. He hasn't just said, "Okay, you're free, you're good to go." No, He's He's alongside them on this journey, mm-hmm. right? He's taken them to the place where He would have them be. Um, and so he he hears their uh, their complaints, their uh, their pleas, and uh, he uh, he he knocks it out of the park, right? He provides in abundance, uh, yeah. which is just it's that's God's nature. Is, is he's continuing to do these things even if it's not expected, right? Um, but I think it's really really good if we take a look in in verse four. There, he's like, well, I'm going to do this, and you can have a, a day's portion, right? And I'm going to do this so that I might test them, you know, kind of that sifting uh, as to whether or not they're going to, they're going to follow my instruction, whether they're not going to, whether they're going to be focused on themselves. And, you know, if, if, if we're looking back in the context of, Oh, we've read through the the old Testament and you know how this goes. Like, yeah, we, we know, but if, <laughs> as the people are journeying through, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're tending to not, go towards trusting in God, they're tending to go towards trusting in the things they can see, trusting in their own abilities or um, the, the provision that's uh, right. you know, humanly manageable. Uh, yeah. That, that, and that's really interesting. Um, I mean, I think, I think you're bringing out some, some good aspects, uh, some good things for us to chew on alongside the manna. Right. Uh, and I, and I, I get what you're saying about the, about the Sabbath. We, we should talk about that in a, in a minute because it is really interesting that, uh, hey, the word Sabbath just happened, right? This mm-hmm. is the first time, right? Like in, in the book of Exodus, we haven't, we haven't been talking about Sabbath, right? And, and now it's just kind of like, and here it is. Um, so it's, this is interesting um, that you've got Sabbath going on even before we get the Ten Commandments. So, I mean, we're, we're going to want to talk about that. Um, and, and there is, as you were saying, there, there's kind of a there's this duality going on, right? Because like on the one hand, there's like the way that this, this has all been inspired and formed um, for God's people who are looking back at all this in hindsight, right? Like the little children who are asking their, their father, hey, why are you doing all these sacrifices, right? So there, there's kind of the hindsight view that knows about Sabbath and is looking back on this stuff, right? Um, that, that knows, for instance, uh, the book of Genesis, right? I mean, uh, 
we haven't gotten that far for the people who are there, though. Um, and so there's kind of these, these different perspectives. The, the one that, you know, you're, you're getting as, as God's people and the one that you're getting, uh, you know, like after the fact, the one you're kind of just there when you're in the thick of it. But as you were saying that the kind of in the thick of it side of things, um, it is interesting already how there is this, this really interesting foil, I think, with Pharaoh, because um, just as you were saying, it, it's so weird because what, what is it we saw in the plague narrative that makes Pharaoh get stubborn, right? That like that makes him like get sour. Well, it's when things go bad, right? Um, and, and like that's when that's when his heart gets hardened. Whenever there's another plague that he's confronted with, he just wants to dig his heels in more. But as you were saying there, and here it's it, it's a little bit of well, it's kind of like judges a little bit. That's when things go good. That they that they start complaining, right? When things are going well, then they're just sort of like, oh yeah, well we don't we don't need God so much. What we need is to go back to Egypt. So I mean that that really is interesting. Um, and yet even here, there there is the juxtaposition. This is now the the, uh, the last time that you have the word rain appear um, in in the book of Exodus was the hailstorm, when the idea was that God it's this, it's this transmuting idea that He changes their rain into hail. Um, so it's something that was supposed to be, um, you know, nourishing to grow the crops, and he makes it destroy the crops. Out sure, here in the wilderness, sure. rain's not going to help them. <laughs> they don't have crops. But, but it's the opposite, right? So he turns water, which would be a problem, into food. It just, it just into manna, right? It doesn't even have to grow out of the ground. So, I mean, I, I think the abundance is there. And when you, when you are comparing it, I think, to Pharaoh and to the plagues, um, it, it really is... I I think it, I think it is already like a little, little bit condemning as there is this this testing going on. So you've got the people who are you know um, very much in, in need of supplies because if you can imagine they might have brought a whole bunch of stuff with them, but as they've moved along, it's been you know a month month and a half, and they're now uh, running out of maybe even the uh, uh, the beef jerky or whatever, right? It's uh, yeah. it, you're you're getting down to the bottom of the barrel, so. They're yeah. getting desperate, um, but you know, as I think, as they're complaining, though Moses and Aaron are, are wisely pointing out here is like, why are you why are you complaining to us? You're you're not grumbling, which in is a great word, um, it, articulating kind of that that murmuring and that that the spirit that's behind it. Um, you're grumbling against God. It's it's Yahweh who has done all these amazing things that you're complaining not just to, but about that. You're not, yeah. he's not, he's not doing things the way you would have him do. Right. Well, and that's, um, you, you know, uh, it, it is maybe me going like spoiler direction again, but you know, I'm just, you're just thinking about the, I mean, I'm thinking about the fourth commandment, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and of course they haven't gotten the fourth commandment yet, but, uh, <laughs> they, they, they have, you know, the idea, right. Well, this is what Paul's going to talk about, right. That even before God gave the law, like the law was there in a way. Um, and, and, and you have this idea that, you know, if you're going to be disrespecting and grumbling against the people that God gave you, then you're grumbling against God. And, and this is, we've we had this theme already, you know, God says this to Moses, you know, that, you know, so Aaron's going to be like the prophet and you'll be like God to Pharaoh. Well, but I mean, in a sense, he was kind of already operating that way um, as like God to the people when he came out from the wilderness and he came and he found them, right. goes to them in Egypt. I mean, it's, and he comes like from the wilderness of Sinai, right? I mean, it, it's kind of a foreshadowing of God coming down from Sinai to go rescue his people from Egypt. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they, they have had any, they lived out a, a intuitive way that, Hey, Moses and Aaron, they're, they're representing God here. Um, and, they, they should be able to make this connection. It's not like it's a, something that they're not smart enough to understand. Um, so they really are sinning as they grumble. Sure. They, they saw this. They saw the, uh, the plagues, the judgments in Egypt, you know, and it's, um, it, this isn't like a, a fairy tale to them. This is very much uh, present day history for them. If you can think back, yeah. you know, we, we might have a hard time remembering what, what happened to us, you know, what was life like three months ago before everything happened? And, you know, yeah. this was a, this was a month and a half ago that yeah. they saw these things, uh, you know, magnificent science of the crossing these people themselves crossing through the waters 
mm-hmm. at the the Red Sea. Um, so, you know, and like you're saying with uh, Moses and Aaron, well, Moses being this this uh, this mediator, right? He's the one that's representing God to the people, and and vice versa. Um, so, a lot more to be talked about there, but uh, yeah, you you've got um, a direct connection between God and His people, a direct dialogue going on, and then God hearing. And that's God's continuing thing. He's hearing. He's not ignoring, right. Right. and and He's responding. So that's that's where we get to some of the stuff that people probably remember best about this chapter. Yeah, well, and that is really interesting, right? I mean, like like you're saying, like they they, they understood that Moses and Aaron were were acting in that mediator capacity, but lest that anyone forget, and, and this is <laughs> the first of many moments like this, and uh, where it's been happening in numbers kind of a lot. But, but God shows up and he does these things just to remind them, hey, guys, I'm speaking through Moses. So would you, you know, show him a little bit of respect here? Um, and so right, like you're saying, he, they, they get this reminder when he um, when he goes and it says, you know, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And we should talk a little bit more about that. But we got to head into our break for a minute here. But everybody, hang on. We're looking at Exodus chapter 16 here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinoso. We're looking at Exodus chapter 16 today, joined by our guest, Pastor Ron Campbell, pastor at St. John's Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, we, we, run, we already read the chapter, and we were just talking about um, this, this last thing here, this dynamic of Moses as this um, intermediary, this, uh, this intercessor, and uh I think that Pastor Campbell was already kind of hinting at, you know, how this uh, is a foreshadowing of, of Christ kind of moment. Uh, and, and we will only uh, get there. Uh, but I do want to say, um, just as a reminder here, uh, hopefully they made an announcement before we started. This is actually pre-recorded, unfortunately. So no live questions or comments like we um, can do sometimes. But if you do have any follow-up questions or comments, you can still go ahead and shoot an email to kful at kful.org. Uh, maybe we can talk about it next time um, in connection with chapter 17 uh, or, or the same thing with Facebook, facebook.com slash aj.espinosa. I uh, want to make sure also not to neglect to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Check out their website. Thank you guys for underwriting the program. So, yeah, we were just uh, looking at that before the break and yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is another thing. Now, this isn't this isn't new though either, right? They, they've they've had a little bit of this cloud thing going on. Um, you know, the, the the cloud showed up in a very dramatic way, particularly right um, as they were getting ready to do the the Red Sea crossing, right? Like it, the cloud shows up. There's the light and the darkness thing going on. The, the fire by uh, by night, cloud by day. And so it's like this, this cloud that has been there kind of the whole while is it's like maybe it's like lighting up or I mean, even thundering, perhaps like what, what exactly is going on, you think? Well, this is one of those things that I think uh, we, we can actually thank Hollywood for some visualizations. The uh, <laughs> the old uh, Prince of Egypt uh, animated movie yeah. I think gives, gives some pretty neat ways of maybe uh, helping us to better imagine what this what this would have been like for the people who are experiencing it. So that you have the this great pillar of maybe like a, a wind or vortex kind of cloud kind uh-huh. of thing going on, leading the people, uh, guiding the people, or protecting them back at the crossing there and see back behind them, keeping Egypt away. Uh, but you know, the this uh, the glory of God, you know, filling like the, the cloud. This this awesome 
majesty being something that's like, wow, okay, you can't ignore this. It's mm-hmm. it's not just kind of this little, oh, that's pretty. It's like, no, this is something that's awesome and 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 fearsome. Yeah. Uh, so that yeah, Yahweh is here among you. Yeah, and you know that's um that, that that's a really interesting uh you know way of phrasing it actually. Like you look at there in the in the Hebrew in verse ten. Um, I mean, it, it is, you know, which is, um, you know, here it is. Uh, I, I mean, of course, I, I think it's a totally valid translation. The idea, especially when you have um, seeing or looking, it's like, you know, uh, there it is. But I mean, it was uh, right, right before them, right? They, they weren't just uh, hearing about it from Moses. This wasn't one of these. Moses said, well, you know, I talked to God and there was this fire or this cloud that was, you know, talking and lighting up, lighting up and stuff at the, at the burning bush or you know, up on the mountain. Um, but I mean, they're, they're seeing it themselves a little bit. And it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting almost that that's as far as it goes here in verse 10. A later yeah. Later there, there's a lot that's up, kind of glossed over travel. here. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's very, it's very con- condensed here. Yeah. And, and a few other things too. So, you know, we've got uh, going from right from this is like, Oh, wow. Okay. So, the Lord is among his people and uh, delivering this message that, okay, you want food tonight, you're going to eat meat tomorrow. You'll be filled with bread. And then yeah. all this, you know, as a reminder of, of who I am, that, uh, that this is your God. This, this is Yahweh at work, the being God, uh, present God here. And uh, you hearing you and providing, it's not by your own hand that you're making it through. It's I'm going to give you all these good gifts. Uh, so and then we move right from that into verse 13, right? Where in the evening quail comes up, covers the camp. And that's the last we hear about the quail in chapter yeah. 16. Well, we don't hear about quail again until numbers, uh, yeah. when it's, it's happens in a little bit of a different context too. Yeah, uh, but you know, here it's all right, God's going to provide. So you want meat? Here's, here's a ton of meat. Uh, covering the camp so the people can have these. You know, we don't exactly know what kind of uh, quail or bird it would have been, but just you know, little uh, little birds who may be low flying or tired out, and but uh, enough for for people to have in abundance. Right. Uh, and then then from there, kind of the rest of the chapter then moves on to the manna. Uh, but yeah, so God God says, okay, here's meat, meat, and that's it. And now we move on to the next thing. Yeah, well, and it's it's really interesting, uh, you know. Then, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Uh, and then I think elsewhere, I'm trying to think of where we heard it, but but, but he says that you may know that you know it, it, it is I who brought you. Where, where was that verse here? I think it was earlier. It was back in um, yeah. At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And then I think this is really key and we're glossing over it. So the text says that they've spent, um, you know, some 400 years living in polytheistic Egypt. Right. And, and this is like, we, and we, we, I think we really don't appreciate this. It, Egypt was for, for the ancient world, particularly religious. I, I mean, like all ancient societies were religious and, and, and of course on a, deeper level all societies of any kind are always um but in in the sense of you know they just had a very developed mythology they had lots of temples like everywhere the priests were super involved with a lot of daily life Uh, i mean the the stories of the gods were very popular with the people so i mean there was a there was a way that their religiosity was uh kind of intense and very much so yeah yeah, and this would have influenced the the Hebrews. There's there's no way it wouldn't have. And you, you got to think about this. The, the, the challenge is not like, oh well. I mean, from our perspective, we're like, well, if I if I saw like the Red Sea part and all this, like I, I wouldn't have any doubts. See, that's not the problem. The, the, the problem is how it, it's it's so much easier from the Egyptian perspective to be like, oh right, and you know that, that all that stuff with the water, you know, that is the uh, you know the moisture goddess Tefnut. Right. Or when when uh, a wind comes in and blows in quail um, for, for them to say, like, oh, well, there, there's the wind. You know, that's that's the uh, that's the the wind god, uh, you know, uh, uh, like your shoe. Right. So, I mean, like it, it's very easy 
for them to go that direction. So God's got like God, God's being very, very deliberate with the way he's doing this so that they know it's him and not somebody else. And because that's that's the key, because as soon as they can say like, oh, that was some other God. Then they think we need to go back to Egypt because that's where that God is. <laughs> yeah, they, that they recognize it's this one and not the others. Yeah, God's God's taking time with them, and even then, you know, again looking looking ahead a little bit, this whole golden calf thing—that's not arbitrary. Yeah, that's right. Oh no, no, no. Oh, buddy, no. Yeah, no. And we and we saw. Um, yeah, there's of course a lot of connections too with with uh, the livestock um, there in, in the plague narrative. But, but yeah, just, just, man, it's so, it's so amazing here. So there, there you go, right? Like you, you have this, um, you know, the glory of the, the Lord appears. So this is their kind of, their, their kind of like wake up call, like, Hey guys, but, but there's not really a very big description here because what was being pointed to is the sign. And this is, I think, where there's a lot of consistency throughout the scriptures and even, um, you know, in the new Testament where the, the point is the sign. It's not that like, Oh, wow, that was amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's part of it, but it's that there is meaning in this stuff that's appearing. And so what's the meaning here, right? It says that in the evening, quail comes up and covers the camp, and in the morning, dew is on the ground. And, and that that is so striking because this is, in so many ways, just the opposite of those plagues, those last two before things got dark and really scary, um, that we had in Egypt. And so here, here you are, you're, you're convinced as an Israelite. Well, of course, yeah, yeah, the locusts and the hail, that was, that was God. That was, that was Yahweh. I mean, you know, the Egyptians got, gods wouldn't have done that to themselves and done all that so we could escape. That was, that was Yahweh. Well, but then it's like, hey, guys, here's my card, right? So the, it's like the exact opposite, right, of what you have um, with the locusts is the quail. And then uh, the exact opposite of the hail is, is the manna. Um, and, and even the time of day stuff, right? The locusts go into, it says they, they darken the land and it goes into the plague of darkness. Well, it starts with the quail in the evening and the morning. Well, hang on a second. When did that, uh, that plague of uh, hail get announced? In the morning. So, I mean, like, it's just amazing. It's just <laughs> the, like the perfect correlation here. And it gets richer. You mentioned numbers. Um, in fact, in numbers, this is kind of where it gets more ominous, right? The quail come back. <laughs> Um, with a vengeance and, and and there right it's it's kind of amazing it says there that there's a wind from the lord that comes and it blows the quail in from the sea now that's scary because right the wind of the lord drew uh, drove the locusts into the sea in the plague narrative so it's like uh-oh <laughs> um so but so that that's that's where we're going in, in numbers when this comes trying to bite them but for right now, I mean, like, it's it's just, this is a sign here. This is, I'm just taking care of you in abundance, and it certainly is. This is, I want you to know it's me who's taking care of you. And, you know, we see God's God's hand at work then in that in that provision. So this uh, this gift coming down from, from heaven in the, the manna, this mysterious uh, food, so that the Lord who, who is, uh, you know, mightier than these, false gods of Egypt. Uh, he's bringing uh, this gift of uh, uh, sustenance to keep the people going for decades to come. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and, it, um, and also with like just, I mean, the morning and evening alternation, it, it does, it does really fit though, that we are leading up to, to, to Sabbath. And, and so, I mean, so here we're just um, like, like we were saying, it just kind of gets introduced. And for right now, they, <laughs> They don't have the full story on the Sabbath, right? Um, they don't. They don't have Genesis one, you know, before them quite yet. Um, but they, it, it's all it's all there and it's all going. This this morning there was there was evening, right? Evening came and then morning came, um, and, and you already have it there getting getting lived out here. And so evening comes, morning comes, evening comes, morning comes until you get to the the Sabbath day and. It, so why, why are we to make of this, that, that God is giving them this, this preview of the Sabbath, right, before he even, like, explains everything in Exodus chapter 20? But God is preparing them, right? So he's, he's um, developing them to live in this rhythm of the work in the Sabbath. But you know, even then, the, the work is only during the six days is collecting uh, what he's given as a gift. Um, 
he, the gift then on the Sabbath day is this day of uh, the resting that they don't even have to go out and gather. He's already provided. So he's giving in abundance. Um, right. It, it, but it's, it is a life thing so that you're here. Like you said, we haven't gotten to back to Sinai yet. We haven't gotten to the 10 commandments and you know, this, uh, you fuller uh, declaration that you you have this day of rest, but like no, here like you said, dropping the Sabbath word, it's this this day set apart. Um, yeah. Look ahead to it, and you know, we're we're into it. We're getting into the rhythm. Uh, the people haven't been listening uh, initially because you know they they collected more of the the manna than they were supposed to, more than they needed, and right. it gets rotten. It breeds the, the maggots and the the stink and that's kind of with the stinking eye associated with that, the rottenness, uh, mm-hmm. unpleasantness mm-hmm. that goes with it. But that, the yeah. rot, that, that's an outward rottenness. That's a manifestation of the inward rottenness. That's the lack of trust, the doubt of God's mm-hmm. grace that he's not going to be giving this daily bread. Uh, but in fact he does right every day it keeps coming. And then he gives twice as much as needed on the, yeah. the sixth day. So that they are, they are provided for so that they can have the rest. So it's gift upon gift. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about spoilers. You just uh, hinted at the Lord's Prayer, right? And uh, that's not coming for a bit. But <laughs> but, but, but no, it's well it's well taken, though, right? I mean, it's interesting in the Lord's Prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. There's, there's, you know, it is um, it, it is striking that that petition follows Thy will be done, right? Because there there is this sense in which by by praying for our daily bread, that is our concern, right? That is our will that we get to eat, <laughs> um, but. There's this way in which already it's um, the will of man being conformed to the will of God, um, not my will, but your will be done, because we're, we're just praying that God would just give us enough for today. Yeah, I, I would like to gather twice as much so that I don't have to trust you tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can just trust you today when, when we're talking, and then tomorrow I'll be fine, because um, I'll, I'll have my backup plan in case you don't work out for me. Uh, that's, but, that's, you know, so, yeah, go ahead. That's that brokenness of our, our human nature, right? Is that we yeah. we want to trust ourselves or feel like we're confident or sufficient in and of ourselves, or that you know we've we've got everything taken care of, so that you know, the future is going to go according to our plan as opposed to according to to God's willing. But right. but the problem with that is that we we see our will as better than God's will. We don't trust that God's will is actually going to be a good thing for us. Exactly. So I mean, so really, it really is about. About, about trust, you know, and, and that was that was a theme um, already in, in the plagues where it was, um, you know, a question of, you know, for example, like the hail that really came out, right, where it was like, okay, well, I'm telling you, this is going to happen. So if you want to trust me on this, you'll take your servants and your, and your, uh, your flocks and your livestock, take them indoors, um, you know, but hey, if you, if you think you've got your own deal and you're fine without me, then you go ahead and leave them out there. Um, of course, it didn't work out very well. So, I mean, that idea of, of depending on God. And uh, I, I liked what you said, though, too, about the idea of like a rhythm, though, because I, I think you're right. Like, you, you can't just go and just say, you know, after 400 some years of living this way among polytheists, right? Um, I'm just going to kind of hit you with this new information and you're just going to get it, right? Like, you, you've got to work your way into this. And, They've got to be ready in terms of, you know, like we were uh, seeing when we looked at Exodus chapter 13, this lived out with your hands, with your eyes, with your mouth, um, the, the ritual and the rhythm and just the creaturely embodiment of it. And so it's really significant that before we get that in Exodus 20, um, which is, it, it's very interesting. You know, you don't have, a, of course, like a whole detour where you just break down, breaks down Genesis 1. But you, you do actually get um, that explanation of the six days of creation on the seventh God resting. So he's going to make he's going to connect those dots. Right. But here he's putting the dots on the paper for him because, I mean, the Egyptian calendar was so different. It was a solar calendar um, here. They're they're moving to a, a lunar calendar um, that that solar calendar they had. Um, it was just it was just three big seasons of 120 days with uh, 30 day months and. Uh, there were just these 10, these 10, this is so terrible to think about it. Um, but the weeks were, were 10 days long. <laughs> like it's, it's not, it's not even necessarily the case that those would have been like weekends that you had where you, you got them off or something. It might've been, you know, days where, uh, 
you know, maybe like the, the royalty, you know, would have gotten to enjoy special kinds of treats, but you just kept working. And so this whole idea of you're going to stop working every seven days. I mean, it must have felt kind of criminal, honestly. I, I mean, it must have felt like lazy almost even by like the best parts of their sensibilities. Well, and some of that, you, you maybe see some of that ingrainedness uh, and that uh, despite everything that's happened for six days of God providing, there are still people that come out on the seventh day after being told, don't do it. You got enough for, and, and they've seen, they've got enough for the uh, the extra day, the seventh day. But um, they're, they're just, it's so deeply ingrained in them of, uh, you know, you need to provide for yourself that you get to this point. And it's like, okay, well, um, you're not getting it, right? It's the, yeah. it's the whole, the whole journey through the wilderness, like in, in some ways you can see as a, um, a way of um, cleansing, detoxing the people yeah. from their, their, centuries in Egypt. And yeah. That de- de- detoxing. And also like, also like, I mean, it brought me back to something you said earlier that he's being really patient with them. And I think that was, that was a great way of putting it that, I mean, he, he's taking his time with them, like as you would when you're teaching a child. Right. And I mean, this is so interesting because this is like, you know, we've put the bumpers on, on the, on the bowling alley. Right. Because it's not just that he's saying like, Oh, well, I'm going to see if they listen to me or not. Um, but it's actually when they try to disobey, he kind of takes that option away. I mean, yeah, they can just not trust him, right? And they can have their stuff go bad. But no one gets to keep stuff left over on uh, that's left over after day six and have it go on to day seven. It, it spoils, right? Um, so it's not like they can just secretly in the corner be like, "Oh, hey, look, I'm enjoying my stash," right? Um, no, God takes that that wrongfully gotten enjoyment away from them, which is really helpful, honestly, because you're trying to get them to, to learn here. And so here they're learning like, hey, wait a second, when we disobey God and when we try to go our own way and trust in ourselves, like we don't actually find true enjoyment. We find that the, the situation stinks. Um, Very much you know, so. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is like then going back to those those uh, those first plagues there. We had the, this, I mean, the, the stinking words, the same stinking word for like the dead fish um, and the dead frogs. That you know, if, if you try to rely on yourself, um, there's there's going to be no rest. It's going to be slavery in Egypt all over again, in a sense. And rottenness. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, so he's he's getting them ready for for this Sabbath here, and uh, it, it's interesting. You know, it describes the kind of disobedience. Uh, one of the things I noticed. It, it explains the disobedience. And like I said, it explains how God, um, I mean, in the training, uh, you know, made the stuff go bad or uh, by his power made the stuff uh, last until the Sabbath. What's interesting is there's no, there's no mention of people getting punished. Like God's like, and then he saw the people who were saving all the stuff up and he's like, see, I told you. And then he smoked them with thunderbolts. Like it doesn't happen. Like they're, um, it, it's not like numbers <laughs> where it's after, um, they, they've had the benefit of the law on Sinai, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's very, it's not there here. No, it's, it's definitely patient. And the, uh, you know, the consequence is actually coming from the act itself. It's not like there needs yeah. to be an alternate uh, kind of retribution or something. You've got mm-hmm. uh, God continuing to provide. And if they're, if they're not trusting, well, they see, you know, for themselves with their, with their, uh, not just eyes, but their, their noses that it, uh, is it going to go well? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't go any further than that. And, uh, it kind of, kind of like speaking of like their own eyes and their own noses, right. It's interesting that we have this in this last paragraph, um, that you, you have this description of the manna a little bit, right. Um, that is like, okay, well, hang on, let me, let me tell you a little bit about this manna. And it's like, like coriander seed, it's white. And, uh, interesting. It says it tastes like wafers made with honey, which, now that's suggestive to me because I mean, back in chapter three, the elders of Israel were told, "Hey, I'm going to take you to a good land flowing with milk and honey." And hey, look, this little wafer—it might not be that impressive, but this is a foretaste of the feast to come. I'm doing it again. All right, so yeah, yeah take- a- <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't help. We can't help. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
But yeah, you know, what, what do you think of those connections there? Well, I mean, certainly you, it's it's um, on, a, on a couple levels. One, like you're alluding to, it's this breaking in of the the good thing that's ahead, right? That is already a part of the present reality. That that greater thing we have a little bit of a, a taste of now. So as, as the people of Israel. Um, so God is sustaining, he's strengthening them through that gift, which is unlike uh, anything else that they had experienced, right? Even its name, right? What is it? We don't know what it is. Yeah. We, we can describe, We, it, it's not these things, but it's it's like this, it's like this, it's like this, um, yeah. but it's good. So what we can, what we can tell, tell about it is that, well, this is what it's doing. This is how it's being used. This is how it's uh, sustaining. And so that's the first part. Second part is this setting aside of, of a portion of it. Again, a little bit of a spoiler here. You're going to set it before the the testimony, the the Ten Commandments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Where yeah, you don't, you don't yeah, have the, that yet, but it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming, and you're. It's going to be uh, you know preserved in this this ark. Uh, again, don't have it, but it's coming uh, yeah. as something that's going to be a reminder of uh, who God is. Right. This is all about explaining to the people, showing the people who God is, what his love is like, how he's the one who's providing for them, sustaining them, seeing them uh, through their journey. So, you know, yeah. this, uh, the, the Omer, I like you know, kind of like 2.2 liters, right? It's looking, looking through the thing. It's like, well, that's, you know, that's a goodly amount. If you're thinking about, if you're thinking about flour, you know, how oh, much yeah? could you make out of uh, a couple of liters it's of flour? That's a goodly amount, right? So, <laughs> yeah. and this is happening daily. And on yeah. the sixth day, they're getting you know, four liters or you know, the four and a half. So yeah. this is uh, something we shouldn't neglect is, well, this is how God and his grace is providing. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and, um, and it is interesting how the, the end of this, it, it is just, uh, there's so much pointing ahead. You know, they ate the manna till they came to the border of the land in Canaan, right? Well, why? Well, because they don't need it anymore, um, particularly because this is land flowing with milk and Honey, so they're going to have something better, and so it really is something then how we relate to that. That there is this promised land of the resurrection that we look forward to as Christians, and we we have the Lord's Supper, um, you know, where we might ask ourselves, "What is this?" Um, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's the body and blood of Christ, um, and it's you know, it, it's not uh, necessarily exciting. And there's always that old joke, you know, it takes more faith to believe that it's real bread than the body of Christ. Uh, but it, it's it's pointing ahead to the foretaste of the feast to come. Amen. <laughs> yes, certainly. So, I mean, it's it, you, you see it there, you know, Christ uh, foreshadowed in, in so many ways, whether it's Moses as the mediator or uh, just even that, you know, there he is providing for him. And when he does show up um, again and, and his son, Jesus Christ in the flesh, like, hey, it's his calling card. We know it's him and not anybody else. So. Thank you so much, brother. Really good conversation. Just uh, so many good things to make the connections to. And so uh, just thank you. And yeah, God bless your people uh, there in, in Alexandria and uh, everything that you got going on, you and yours. Thank you. My pleasure being here with you and God's blessings to uh, you guys as well. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Everybody, that was Pastor Ron Campbell, pastor at St. John's Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Going on to Exodus chapter 17 next time. Till then, everybody, I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.